Our Spain-based reporter, Karen Arvilar, has been in Ireland recently. You saw a great story where she interviewed Seamus Murphy. Uh, tonight she interviews Royson Mulligan, chairwoman of the Omar Historical Society, and Anne McEwen. Now, Omeath is located on the east coast of Ireland, roughly equidistant between Dublin and Belfast. Anne is the descendant of a famous relative, Anne O'Hanlon, who's the last woman recorded as speaking Omeath Gaelic, a dialect that's actually now gone extinct. Another famous local was Seamus Dahl Maquata, the blind poet between 1650 and 1732, who wrote the House of Corakit in reference to one of the ten townlands in Omeath. Karen's chat even covered the local mythology of the long woman's grave. Quite interesting. I'm here today with Roisin Mulligan and Anne McCown from the local Omeath Historical Society, uh, located in the town of Omeath on the Cooley Peninsula in the northeast corner of the Republic of Ireland. So thank you both so much for joining me today. And I look forward to talking to you a little bit more about Omeath. So uh, maybe we could start off by telling us a little bit more about the society that you started. Okay, well, my name is Roisin Mulligan. I am the chair of Common Star Omeath, which is the Omeath Historical Society. And um, we were established in 20. 2003 2003 and the our aim really was to document the history and the mythology of this area and some of the surrounding areas that's great i noticed that there is quite a bit of history in the area and just walking around uh, there's a lot of different uh, sites that uh, after having done a little bit of research on the area are, are very visible so the greenway path um, the old railway building, uh, and there's so much within Omeath itself. Uh, maybe we could start uh, off talking a little bit more about how Omeath came to be. Well, Omeath is a small village, very, very small, and it was it started to grow in about 1876 with the establishment of the railway. So the railway ran from Greenore to Newry through Carlingford and Omeath. And with the establishment of the railway and the little railway station that's still in existence here today, the building's still here and the platform is still here. And with the establishment of those, the village began to grow up around the railway station. Thank you. And I know that the railway station was discontinued, or the railway was discontinued in 1950. However, the city has persisted. Uh, so maybe we can, uh, if you could tell me a little bit more about that. Right. Well, the railway ceased on um, New Year's Eve 1951. So it was a decision of the railway to cease. In my opinion, it was a very bad decision because it would have been spectacular to drive on that railway line as through the, the countryside that it goes through. It's beautiful. But it's now... Um, the Greenway. The Greenway was tr um, established on the site of the old railway line. 
The Greenway uh, is actually something I've gone, th I can't tell you how many kilometers I've put on it already uh, since I've been here. It's very beautiful. It runs right along the waterway and the peninsula. There, It's flanked by not just the water, but by uh, farmland. So there's lots of livestock, beautiful sheep, cows, some horses. Is there anything else about the Greenway that you'd like to share in terms of uh, some of the appeal and how it's actually helped the local community? Well, the Greenway has been, has been great for tourism. People just love to walk along it, cycle along it, take their dogs along it, push their children in prams along it. And it's, it's been absolutely fabulous to see the growth of that. They've made something out of nothing. They've made this fabulous greenway out of land that was probably not used as much as it could have been. But it's now a massive tourist attraction and people what the whole greenway from Carlingford to Omeath is established and they're working on the extension of that from Omeath down to the border and across the border into Newry. So that's been um that's an extension of it that's been worked on at the moment. That's great. And I've noticed, you know, and of course, there's a lot of different uh, other historic villages surrounding Omi. So this is creating a lot of easy access to some of those other places, including Carlingford just down the road, which is really the main destination for it now. So that's that's nice to hear that it will help connect Omi to other places. But I have to say, because I've spent a lot of my time here in Omi, so I'm, I'm quite charmed by just this immediate area. I know there's a tremendous amount of history here, uh, both the people who've gone through here, but also mythology uh, and um, some other aspects of the area, aside from the railway, some other uh, structures around here. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about the, um, in terms of famous persons here, I know that uh, one of the most famous that I've read about is the blind poet Seamus Dahl McCorta. Hopefully I pronounced that correctly. Yeah. Seamus Dahl McCorta, James McCourt, and the Dahl means blind. So he was a blind poet in the 1600s in the area and he had his companion who guided him around the area and he he was very famous because he connected himself, he was from this area, but he's famous for writing a poem about the area. Ti Curran Koch, the houses of Karakit. Karakit is one of the 10 townlands in Omis. We've got 10 of them, Ardahi, Bavan, Balyunan, Balantaskan, Cornamukla, Karakit, Dramulla, Nocknagorn, Lesle, and Tulla. So Seamus was writing about Karakit, one of those, which is one of the the mountain um townlands up near the Long Woman's grave. But he wasn't very complimentary about the people up there because he called them badgers looking out of a set. Because apparently when he called to the houses of Karakit, knocked on the door, they were looking out the window at him, but they wouldn't let him in. Why was, uh, why was that? Why wouldn't they let him in? I don't know. I wasn't around. <laughs> good boy. Wasn't good company. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the other question I have about him is how, because this was, he was alive, I believe it was 1650 mm. to 1735, I think roughly. Um, so he, he lived a long life, but how did he, uh, <coughs> excuse me, I know he uh, had succumbed to smallpox. I think that's how he lost his vision. How did he record his poetry? Do we have any information about that? Well, he had, um, he had guides. He had um, guys who guided him around and um, they would have written down his poetry. It wasn't just oral 
It was it actually written down as well. And that was also in, in Gaelic, as you mentioned before when we were talking about this earlier. And um, so shifting gears to, to language, the local language, I was interested to read, or it was, I found it interesting to read, that there was actually a very specific dialect here in Omeath. I don't know if you'd call it a dialect or if it was an entirely different language, but it's referred to as Omeath Gaelic. Yeah, Omeath Gaelic is a dialect of... Gaelic and um, it was unique to the area. It was extensively studied and it has been preserved on paper only really. There are some recordings of some of the last native speakers um, speaking the Irish language but um, the dialect was quite unique to the area. People spoke it here. It was it was not written as such it was very much an oral language but it is pretty much distinct now that's what i read i think it was uh sometime in the well, actually there was a woman in the 1960s who i think was the last person to uh speak it does that sound right yeah our last native speaker was anya ban o'hanlon mrs Anne o'hanlon and her maiden name was Anne dobbin and this lady here beside me, her maiden name was Anne Dobbin, and she met the same Anne Dobbin. Do you want to tell that story? Mm. When I was a young child, around three years of age, I was with my uncle. He was delivering groceries to a house in Lisley in Omeath, one of the townlands. And this old lady came out and gave him a handful of sweets. And he said to give them to me. I was sitting with him in his van. And he said, tell her I'm giving her those because we share the same name. Now, she was a, she was a first cousin of my grandfather's. That's remarkable. Mm. Um, and I, it's, uh, I think that's one of the things I find very charming about this area is there's a real sense of community. People know each other. People are very um, close, not just through familial ties, but also social ties. Um, and even, uh, you'd mentioned earlier, Eileen, who kindly served us uh, coffee and tea mm -hmm. earlier, that she is a descendant uh, of, of Seamus, the blind poet. So sort of tie, tying mm. this back to Seamus. Yeah, she's, she's McCourt, or she was McCourt. Yeah. Great. Um, so one more uh, tether to Seamus, because you mentioned this um, as we were discussing him, was the Long Woman's Grave. That's another interesting site. I haven't been there myself yet, but I understand that you can reach it. There's interesting flora and fauna, but what's the story behind the Long Woman's Grave? Well, the Long Woman's Grave is a story that we all know from childhood. We were taught this story at school, and it goes that... A uh, native fella here, Lorcan O'Hanlon, um, was heading on his travels abroad. And on his travels, he met a lovely girl. Kathleen O'Donnell was her name. Mm -hmm. And he met her, he fell in love with her, he married her. And he promised her that when he took her home to where he was from, when he took her to the top of the hill, that everything she saw was his. He took Kathleen home, he took her to the top of the hill, he showed her the, the beautiful picturesque scenery all around her, but she wasn't impressed. It was very rocky. 
<laughs> it wasn't going to be much grown on Yeah, there on wasn't it. much to see. There wasn't well, much to see. There wasn't going to be much grown on it. So a failed romance. So she, she, she no, she fell. She okay. she fainted and she Fair. fell from the top of the mountain down and was killed. So okay. they buried her where she fell. Okay, interesting, tragic. Oh, thank you for uh, for sharing that story. It's another uh, it's another place I think that would be interesting for people who are passing through. You can actually go see. I understand there's a small waterfall in that area. Yeah, um, there's a grave there anyhow. There okay. is a grave. You can visit the grave. Okay. It was the tradition here that all um, engaged couples on the 15th of August walked to the long woman's grave and placed a stone on her grave for luck in their marriage. Okay, hopefully that's, uh, hopefully that's worked out. And there's but several I, thriving marriages in the area. Oh, there are, surely. I never did that. Did you know? Nobody told me if that did. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't Uh-oh. have to. <laughs> I won't ask you how things ended up. Oh, we're okay, we're okay. 15th, 15th is coming up. It's a yeah. couple of weeks away. Uh, I w- I'll be interested. I mean, I'm, I, I have uh, plenty of uh, friends, I think, that would uh, appreciate that uh, opportunity. Um, so I wanted to ask you just sort of an, an open question here uh, for people who are coming to visit the area. What would you, what do you find is the most powerful draw of, of Omeath and what would you say to visitors who want to come visit? Well, I suppose the like the peace and tranquility of the places, particularly if people are coming from a city such as Belfast or even Dublin, because this... This is definitely very laid back in comparison to any city, and there's wonderful scenery. That's good enough for me. That's what. That's why I came. <laughs> definitely. There's a you know, of course, nice uh, pub and, and good food here. Uh, Rose's Cafe, another the venue here that we're at, actually the. Yeah, and there's a different. It's a different pace of life, if you like, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. Okay, um, and in terms of time of year, uh, you know, here, this is a summertime, so for me it's very nice to kind of get away from the heat and come up where it's nice and cool. You still have some of the rain showers, but it's also sunny and there's some level of warmth, you know, it's between 50 and 60 degrees Fahrenheit, which for me is just right. Is there any other time of year that you think is a good time to visit or really any time of year? Well, we're still okay up until about the end of October because it's very trendy now to be out walking and trying to keep, keep active. And so lots of people are still using the walks and the greenway, even at that time of the year, even in January, because then it's keep fit time, isn't it? Yeah, especially after all the holidays. Yes, yeah. Okay, well, thank you so much. Uh, Thank you both for meeting with me today. This has been very informative. Um, I find this... Uh, the village has roughly, I think it's 600 inhabitants, uh, which is a small village, but I think it really packs a punch in terms of uh, points of interest and, and natural beauty, certainly. So thank you so much for, for joining me today. Thank you. Karen Avila was speaking with Royson Mulligan and Anne McEwen in Omeath, Ireland. This is the Travel Writer Show on J Air 88 FM in Melbourne.